Hello again, everybody. It is time for the two-man game here on Claves Online. I'm Bob Ramsey. That's my partner, Matt Rocchio. And uh, we have some fun stuff to talk about today. Obviously, we're always St. Louis U-centric. But uh, other games in the area are going on even as we speak this evening. Plus, uh, I introduced Matt Rocchio to a Travis Ford basketball practice today at Chaffetz Arena in St. Louis. We'll catch up on the NBA and and do all those things to get everybody ready as the, the Billikens beat their uh, uh, the second half of their back-to-back with UMass, and then um, we'll play at home on Wednesday. And so we've got a number of things to to get into. And Matt, let's let's start. Let's jump right in and talk about the Billiken game on Sunday, where after a very disheartening, uh, I think Travis Ford would tell you, an embarrassing loss at UMass. The Bills turned it around on Sunday and played pretty darn well. Yeah, that's the kind of game you expect from St. Louis to have against UMass. Uh, Gibson Jimerson, obviously, maybe you didn't expect him to have 30, but you expect him to have a big game. And obviously, when he puts up 7 of 10 from from deep, he's going to have a good game no matter what he does around that. But he's getting more dangerous scoring inside. He's getting more dangerous with the ball in his hands once he puts it on the floor. He was incredible. And then when you add in, obviously, Yuri being Yuri getting a double-double with 12 assists. And then the X Factor, Jordan Nesbitt coming in with his first career double-double, 17-12. and 12. He was a monster. And just some of the plays he's able to make, we, it, it's, we, it's hard for us to temper our expectations because we see those little blips. And we see that all he's got to do is put together really five or six good stretches, and not even that, three or four good stretches, and he can completely change a basketball game. Jordan Nesbitt um, is marvelously talented, has a, a – a huge skill set. And I think the one thing, trying to read between the lines when I talk to coaches and, and other observations that we make and talk to people who cover the game, is that he's still, I think, trying to put the finishing, t- finishing touches on learning how to play at 100% effort and 100% energy all the time when you're out on the floor. When, when he's able to um, – when he learns what that takes and what it means, he'll be unstoppable. Yeah, and I think the big play that people, you know, kind of stuck in their minds in that game would be the sequence where he had the block and then he comes down and he, and he, he draws the contact and he has kind of that surface layup uh, that he draws the contact on. And then a little bit later on when he skies in to get an offensive rebound over – a, a UMass player and then gets a nice little reverse layup. <clears throat> and I think it's funny kind of bringing in some of the things we saw today in, in about a, you know, five minute span, we saw him almost an exact same block where he came weak side. And one of those blocks where the ball was here and he had, and he came down to block it because he got up so high. And then a few play, you know, a few minutes later in the practice, he skies in for a putback that, Clearly, the guys on the team know what he can do because they. it was very blasé. It was like, yep, that, there goes Jane as doing what he does. But I almost jumped out of my seat. And so, But that's, that's exactly what he can give you. And, it, and the fact that he can do it potentially more, on a more consistent basis, it's hard not to get excited and wrapped up. When you see him have a game like he had then, it's hard not to expect more going throughout the season. And really, it wasn't just those explosive plays, but also in between those big plays, when he was kind of filling in the stat line nicely, he was doing it, I think, with some of the exact things you've been talking about in past possessions, 
raising up for that 17-footer when he's got the defense on their heel. I thought he did that another couple times. I think he hit one of them. That is clearly a part of his game that you saw before he came to SLU that he's now bringing back into his repertoire as he gets more comfortable. Yeah, and so the Billikens, uh, quite frankly, and it was a good game, but it wasn't like a red letter or a mark. I thought the Billikens did what they were supposed to do against that team uh, at Schaefer's Arena. The disappointing part is the game before at UMass where you've got to beat them. That's one of those road games that you can go out and get because there aren't very many in league play, in any league, to go out on the road and grab a win like that when it's right there in front of you. So as we take what we've learned there and get into practice today and preparation for George Washington tomorrow, uh, for those who don't know, uh, I, I'm at practice all the time. Um uh, Matt Rocchio, who I absolutely give credit to um, for breaking down plays, looking at film, trying to understand what's what's happening and why it's happening. You do great at that, Rock. But doesn't it help when you know what the team is trying to do, what the design is, and then it makes what you're seeing on film and the results far more relatable? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because something that was really exciting was after – I got back from practice today. I actually went back and watched a couple sequences from the UMass game. And one of the few times we really disagreed on this podcast was when I brought up wondering how much of Travis's coaching allows for three-point shooting. And wow, seeing the way they worked in practice to find shots and then going back and watching some of that UMass game, it was so obvious to me the spots that they were clearly working to get more looks from three points. And obviously the UMass game is a great example of that. Probably one of the best examples we've seen over the last two months of the season of them getting open three point looks. So my point being is that our big disagreement there wasn't that they needed to shoot more in the game. We agreed there. It was that, is there a consistent way that this team is being coached to find those looks and take advantage of the shooters they have on this team? What I saw in practice today and what we saw in UMass tells me that there is definitely the foundation to see this team taking upwards of 23s, um, you know, 25 threes per game, which is obviously a, a big complexion change from early in the season, but I think it's one we want to see. And so that was one of my biggest takeaways from practice today and kind of then being able, like you said, go back and, and again, look at some of, the, some of the games in the way that they open up space, the way they attack they attack cross-court passes way more than you would expect a team that you think is kind of conservative in a way because right. they're defense first and Travis was always a, you know, a very good passer, but you don't think of a cross-court pass. But they attack those weak side shooters with cross-court passes so often they got a bunch of those looks against UMass, and I think it's going to be a look they try to get a lot going against George Washington. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, and, and if you don't agree to the premise – say so, but, you know, um, over the history of the game, media and fans, you know, um, critical, a given team. Oh, they just run, shoot, and holler. They don't have any plays. They play crazy. Or you'll get the critics who say their offense is too rigid. Uh, uh, There's not enough freedom. Players want to play free. I believe, and and I really do want to get your take and disagree, but after you saw it practice – I think Travis really tries to reach the balance of here's our play. It's a deep playbook. And within this play, though, 
the freedom to improvise uh, based on what the defense gives and takes away. Yeah, and, and and he, you know, he was he that was a big point he made in practice about how you know you need to kind of take what the defense gives you. Um, you know, don't you know don't be you know say this is what I'm going to do on this play because this is what the play set is. You know, if if guys are cutting and guys are moving and things become open because of what the play kind of the the background of the play, if that sets up a pass, if that sets up a, an open shot, you got to be ready to make that pass. You got to be ready to hit that cutter. And I think the fact that it's not just cutting to open up one specific thing, the idea is grained there of if you get if you get open on a cut, you know, be ready for that pass. And then the extension, obviously, of having a guy like Yuri Collins, who then opens up that entire mindset across the entire team, that also helps. But undoubtedly, I think that was something that jumped out to me. And also, what I also thought was impressive, and we'll talk about this too, was when they were talk, when they were talking about their switching on defense. That's one thing I've been I've been keying into, especially against the UMass game, because they seem to be trapping guys and going for those doubles a lot more than I've I've ever seen them do, and they gave up some big open threes because of it, but it seems like a trade-off they're trying to make. But it yeah. looks like the defense had a lot more freedom to call out switches. I thought maybe we were – I what I was seeing, bringing up a word you just used, I thought I was seeing a pretty rigid switching system where they were calling for switches across the board at least one through four. But it seems like, well, that might be the base set of the defense. It seems like there is a lot of freedom for guys to say – this, you know, this pick got me, jump out on that one. I'm good on this one. Help me on this one. Watch the back. The amount of talking that they're going through, obviously every defense wants to talk, but I was impressed in that there seemed to be a lot more trust in the individual player within the team defense to make the team defense aspects work than I really expected. Yeah, you know, you're, I think you're right about the, uh, uh, the four-man switching. And then um, Travis alluded on his coach's show on Monday night the um, that they'll do all five switching when uh, Basil Traore is out there. Now we've seen him get taken advantage of a little bit when they uh, uh, occasionally you'll see a team keep going on and, and letting the Billikens switch and keep moving the ball until they get the matchup they want with their point guard or, or shifty guard against the big. But Travis believes Traore has got the feet that he can do it. The best I've ever seen of a big man where you didn't worry about switching was Hassan French. Yeah. His feet were so good. You literally, I mean, for four years, game after game to the point my broadcast partner Earl and I would actually laugh about a guard thinking, Oh, okay. I got the big guy on me now. Watch this. And then, and then Haas just would swat it into the band or the cheerleaders. And uh, it became comical. And in fact, that's where I think Earl finally said, Speaking to the uh, the player that just got uh, dominated, read a paper, yeah. and meaning know who that is. He can guard you. So mm-hmm. Traore is not close to being there, but because he has good footwork and quick feet, that that'd be a goal where you want to try and get to where you're comfortable switching all five. Yeah, he just continues to impress it. And uh, Carter Chapley, who who covers St. Louis, does it did an incredible piece breaking down you know the kind of the story about him and how. You know, we're talking about a guy who's only really been playing basketball for about five years now. What he's doing right now, you know, playing for a D1 basketball team at the level he is, is incredibly impressive. And, you know, he's a big body. He's, he's a great screener. He rolls well. 
you know, the, the hands is, is something, you know, it's yeah. still something definitely apparent that he needs to work on a little bit. But, I mean, like you said, he moves his feet so well on defense. I, I think I think I, I'd honestly say he's probably the best lateral mover on defense, you know, and that's saying a lot because I think both Franco and Linson are pretty good. Yeah, but yeah, I'm so impressed impressed by Latina Traore. I mean, and Basil Traore, as they like to call him, I gotta get the I gotta get the nickname right uh, for, for our guy. So I, I love what we see for him. Some people thought he might have been overmatched at times. He has looked it, but I think those are growing pains that you you take in stride if you're St. Louis. It's been worth it, and and it, you know that was well before the Linson injury that I thought it would be worth it to get him more minutes. And now with him finally coming back, it only opens things up. And in fact. I, I thought he looked incredible in the UMass game, especially defensively. I think some people really underrated how important Martin Linson was, you know, before his injury. But then you saw it immediately. Even really, he really wasn't able to get up and leave the floor very really well. But he was still able to move laterally, cover the weak side, cover some other people's mistakes. I thought Linson getting in 16 minutes in that game was huge. Yeah, and uh, he looked very good in practice. He looked better in practice today than he did Sunday in the game. And so you'd like to think that's indicating that his lower, it's his left leg, I believe. He really has three injuries on the same leg that it's getting better all the time. Uh, the thing you love about Martin Linson, the dominator from Dusseldorf, um, the uh, that doesn't work. I tried. Um, is that he's so fundamentally sound. He's the big fundamental, right? Everything he does is a clinic. Um, and that's what you love about him, that you can count on him to do things the way they're taught. And you don't always get that with all players. Da fundament fundamental? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'll have to ask him what's, what's, what's fundamental in German. There we go. Oh, that's going to be, that's gonna be a, a, a windy road to go down. Um, one thing I really want that, that came out to me, we talked about this earlier in the season as well. He, he is so vocal on, on the court. I absolutely love it. And it, it also just his emotion, you know. We saw it when he was on just the bench. You know, I, I love a guy who can swing a towel, uh, you know, you know during, during a big play. It's an important part of being a team. It's an important part of being a teammate. People, people you can't underestimate it. But, I mean, he is, he is so intense. I mean, he misses a layup, you know, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's you, know, you know, clapping his hands. You know, saying, you know, sorry, coach, I'll get the next one, and things yeah. like that. I mean, he's he's so locked in, and, and kind of something I made, I, I kind of made to you today. He's so locked in, I cannot believe that we've already that we that we know he's moving on after this year. This looks like a guy who just eats, sleeps, and breathes basketball. Yeah, um, he has not told me this. My guess is that he's looking at um, professional play in Germany or or Europe. That's just. Uh, a slightly educated guess. Um, I suggest we t take his passport away and keep him. And that, that's going to be my official suggestion. Oh, gosh, mm -hmm. where's your passports? Oh, sorry. Well, go ahead and apply for another one. It could take some time. That's that's my play. In the meantime, in the meantime, take Basil, go in the gym, see yeah. what happens. <laughs> exactly right. So um, let's uh, – Oh, one other thing, I want because we talked about it briefly at practice today. I wanted to get your thoughts on how inclusive uh, uh, vocal participation is among the, the entire coaching staff and all the players. Um, 
in asides to a, an assistant coach talking about a given moment in a play on practice or players talking to each other. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that and, and, and what you observed. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of D1 basketball practices in the last seven or eight years. The last ones before today were, were Mizzou back in uh, the late Mike Anderson, early Frank Hayes days. And so, you know, I don't have a lot of experience, but I was honestly shocked by the amount of kind of back and forth going on at certain points uh, of the practice. But it was, it was, I love to see it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I, I thought maybe, you know, certain guys I met, like, I didn't expect Corey Tate to be exactly like he was off the court as he is on the court. But there's, he's just, like, he's just literally the exact same person. And, yes. and it's just, and it's, it's a very lighthearted, you know, you're teaching these guys, but, you know, it's, it's basketball. And, they, and these, these are these are 20-year-old men. You know, there's, you don't have to berate them. You don't have to, you know, dumb it down too much. You're, you're talking basketball with guys who, who, who are passionate and have been doing it their entire lives. It, it's, you know, you, you want to get it through. You're going to get aggravated at certain times. These guys are going to get frustrated at times. But the back and forth, I think, shows a clear line of respect from the coaches to the players, from the players to the coaches. And I think that's why we see so and hear so many good things coming out, you know, about Travis Ford. And it's why, you know, it's why well, I'm not shocked that he's been able to build a staff with guys like Ray Giacoletti and why he has such an impressive resume, you know, working in, in, up in uh, Gonzaga for the years he has. I mean, this is a guy who has an incredible resume. So I'm not surprised that these guys, you know, have come from different schools to work for Travis. I'm not surprised these players, don't, you know, come play for Travis because there really does seem to be a level of respect among this team that is very, you know, it's very heartening to see. Let's uh, move on quickly uh, to talk about George Washington, George Washington game early in the season. They looked really pretty bad. But then when you realize, I think Travis told me the second most or either first or second most transfers in all of division one basketball. And so when you think about eight or nine or 10 new guys coming in, it is going to take time. Uh, they go on the road recently and win at Rhode Island, which is, I know uh, from personal experience, it's a very difficult task. So they are not, to, Rhode I or excuse me, George Washington is not to be taken lightly. And, uh, and, and there can be no more hiccups if you want to win the league. you got to win your home games. Yeah, Every every game is a championship game. That's 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 right from that's right from the word head coach. You know, Travis Ford said that earlier today when he was talking to everybody. It's, it's a championship game now because he, they understand that if you want that at large bid, you know, you got to you got to keep that resume up. You know, you got some Q twos um, coming up, and I think they have five Q twos coming up. You got to win the overwhelming majority of those. And hey, the schedule just got trickier. Yes, the, the rescheduled St. Bonaventure game means the schedule just got a little bit trickier. So not getting easier, and so you got you got to win the games that are right in front of you that you should. Here's the thing about George Washington. Uh, the one thing that jumps out, um, it, it, you know, statistically, teams don't shoot a lot of threes against them. They don't shoot well, but at the same time, teams also get inside pretty easily against them. So, you know, it, it's kind of a give and take. It's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily they're great at running teams off the three. They're just not necessarily a great defensive team. But I think the big thing to watch for tomorrow especially for St. Louis is sometimes they get a little flat-footed 
They all in, in practice today. They uh, they got chided a lot for standing up straight. So this is a George Washington team that is always moving. Not a lot of ball screens, but a lot of off ball stuff. A lot of off ball stuff. And so is that going to be something that bites St. Louis because those open cuts, those back doors, those kind of things when it's been top ball watching or flat footed, that's been where they've given up big runs to maybe not so talented offenses. So. This is another game where you should win pretty handily, but it is also a game where you can maybe find one or two little 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 things that might bite you. And I'm sure Travis Ford in pregame will, will will do his best Blue Holtz impression. He'll tell us exactly why George Washington should be feared. You know, uh, one of the things you, because that was addressed about not just standing, but also not coasting and sprinting back most of the way, but not all the way. You know what I haven't seen all year is somebody completely gassed and giving the old shirt tug to the coach. Uh, look, once a guy gets on the floor, he wants minutes, he wants to play. But if you're running 100% both directions, you're going to get gassed. And um, I'm not saying I want to see guys asking out because – Coaching staff pays very close attention to a guy who's playing tired. My point is that's that's another thing to watch if you're a fan of the team and watching games. Watch and make sure guys aren't coasting. Sometimes, you know, it's not just standing still, but it's sort of coasting from spot to spot instead of dynamic effort. And um, with dynamic effort, the sky's the limit for this team. With coasting, well – anything negative could happen too. So we'll keep an eye on that. So that's um, that's at Chaffetz Arena on Wednesday. Two other games going on as we speak. Number one team in the country is in the region playing at Mizzou, and at halftime it was very close. Yeah, and actually they're just coming out of the half, uh, about the 17-and-a-half-minute mark, and Auburn is back up by one. It's 34-33. Katie Johnson is carrying them. Jabari Smith, I'm not – I haven't been 100% tied into this game. It's just been in the corner of my eye. I'm not sure if he's hurt, if he hasn't played the minutes. He only has three points. Uh, this is a guy who should be, you know, number one pick in the draft, potentially coming up if it's not Paul, uh, if it's not Bonchero. And he's having a tough game against the Tiger team that, again, they've given some good squads like Alabama some run, but, you know, they shouldn't be, you know, they should be pretty favored, you know, Pretty heavily favored at Auburn right now. But Javon Pickett's got 11 for Mizzou. Kobe Brown, another bad game against the big team for him. That's not good to see, but you're still within shooting difference of the best team in the nation, so you can't really complain right now if you're talking about the Missouri Tigers. And then on the other side of the river, uh, Illinois uh, at home uh, beats Michigan State. What a almost game. blew it. They God. almost blew it. Um, I think two of the last three possessions are, are down the stretch anyway. <laughs> And they could have put it away, missed a couple of layups. And, uh, and fortunately, Michigan State had a chance to tie with like 1.7 seconds left at the free throw line, down two, missed the first. And then I think trying to miss the second, should have been trying to miss the second, hit it, ball game. So the Illini played well without Kofi Coburn. And so I don't discredit the effort at all but we're culpable in Michigan State's, you know, comeback and effort at the end. Um, but but style points don't matter. In the big, no, no. 
at any time. You get a win, it's a win. You just beat a conference rival who is currently 10th ranked in the nation without your best player who is coincidentally maybe a top five player in college basketball this season. That's yeah, that's a that's that's a gargantuan win for this Illinois program after the slow start they got off to without again, and those were games without Kobe. Those last two games, and yeah. so to to have a fourteen point halftime lead and, and let that slip away against the number ten team in the nation, that's rough. But then you get the guard play from Frazier. Plummer is able to get just over ten points. They got just enough. You play a classic, you know, fifty six fifty five Big Ten game without yeah. your big man. That's a huge win for Illinois. They can win games like that without Kofi. Then there's no doubt in my mind that by the end of by the you know by end of March, you know we're talking about you know a top four seed in, in the tournament. Yeah, um, I don't think the Final Four would be out of reach if this team's at a hundred percent. But they look like they, they to me they certainly uh, uh, for sure a Sweet Sixteen team and probably an Elite Eight team. And it looks like, is it, did Curbelo not play either? Oh, wow. If Curbelo didn't play either, that is, yeah, that is monstrous. That they, I mean, and it, talk shows, about, it shows that they're a team. And, and that's and, really important. And talk about the confidence you give yourself saying, listen, we can win, we can beat Michigan State without those two. Imagine what we can do with those guys. Yeah. I and mean, that's a huge confidence booster. Good for Illinois. I mean, that's, that's obviously going to be a fun program to watch here. If they can get everybody healthy with Trebello coming back, obviously still a little bit, you know, something still bothers him. Obviously he couldn't play tonight. But if you get Kofi back from a concussion, shouldn't be much of an issue there. Illinois is going to be dangerous, and they're going to be fun to watch. The uh, let, Let's switch to the NBA. Um, I'll, I'll be watching late college games tonight. Um, uh, but the NBA, uh, let's talk about some of the things that have gone on since we were on last week. And um, uh, teams still trying to figure out, I think, sort of who they are in this stretch for the All-Star break to kind of what's their identity, uh, a number of, of teams that are wannabe contenders trying to get their rotations and lineups set, get their personnel all back in there. Um, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a funky uh, time in the NBA I think relative to baseball you'd almost call it the dog days of August it's survival time to kind of get your reset before you get to your stretch yeah that's a good way to look at it you know um you know uh, the, the Bulls just got Zach Levine back in a win yeah. last night over over the Thunder I think that was good obviously getting to see a Bulls team at, at full strength especially now with potentially the context of the Nets aren't what they we thought they, you know, hope they could be for the next month or two with KD out. I think that's going to be an important thing to look at. So yeah, that that's one big example. And then there's a whole slate of games going on tonight. You know, you have you have the nut, you have the Nuggets in action. The big question always, you know, for them is can they tread water enough? And you know, and, and will maybe a late addition of Jamal, a healthy Jamal Murray, be enough, or will they are already gone? So that's something to watch always. And of course, Nikola Jokic. Um, you get a chance to yeah. watch him right now taking on the Pistons, so you can jump in there. Charlotte and Toronto, listen, I was I, – I, when I talked about it, I, I might have been a little bit, you know, kind of homerish, but the real thing is that Pascal Siakam is back to being a dominating young player in the NBA. He's yeah. an asset. He's somebody who can, who can help you win a lot of basketball games, and that wasn't something you could say about Siakam even, you know, two months ago. And, again, Charlotte – 
the best offense in the league. LaMelo Ball is an absolute blast. So that's another game that's going on right now that you can turn to after we finish up here. That's going to be a blast. And then late tonight, I'm going to be watching this one because I haven't got to watch nearly enough NBA basketball over the last three days as I've wanted to. And so anytime I get in a situation like that and then there's a Golden State Warriors game on, I'm going to watch it. So hopefully uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors can make um, Jason Kidd and the Dallas Mavericks cry. Um, so hopefully you can actually ball out because that is a secondary thing that I always like to see. But getting to watch Luka Doncic, getting to watch Steph Curry, that's always a blast. Again, the Warriors, I think the question still is, you know, what do they look like at full strength? Because without Draymond Green and without when Clay Thompson still working his way in, we haven't seen the Golden State Warriors at their full height. Suns are the best team in the league right now, but I think they're still. You got to wonder if you're a Suns fan, what are the Warriors going to look like if everything's clicking? But then I think if you're a Warriors fan, at the same time, there's a fandom more. You're also paranoid. Is everything going to click again? Right. I think that's a legitimate question as well. Well, and this is this is not a shot at the man, but missing a couple of years, Clay Thompson. And again, I'm a huge fan. I want him to be as good as he was, but it would be reasonable, and you should probably say there is a reasonable chance that he won't be quite as good as he was. I think that's that's got to be on the spectrum of realistic possibilities, right? Yeah, I think so. Especially, especially. You know, it's, it's one thing for him to come back and, you know, be the shooter that we know he can be. Um, it's another thing when you talk about can he come back and be the defensive player that he was. And that's the thing I think people forget about when it comes to a Clay Thompson. And really, you know, this is, has always been my pet peeve when people talk about the Warriors is he's not just a shooter, he's not just a scorer. He's one of the best wing defenders in the league. One of the reasons that him and Steph Curry work so well together is that you can hide Steph Curry on, on the worst of the wings because Clay Thompson can guard one through three or one through four, really, if it's the best player on the team. And so can he come back as that level of defensive player? That's what I wonder about. This is a guy who scored 50 points, dribbling the ball nine times, I think it was. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about whether or not he, he's able to move his feet much on offense when it comes to that kind of thing. Obviously, getting around screens and things like that. But I mean, you can you can do that without being, you know, blitzkrieg fast. But can you move your feet laterally? Can you fight through contact? Those kind of things at the same level that you were able to two years ago. One of the reasons Steph Curry is incredible is because his core strength is incredible. I got to yeah. imagine not being able to have a healthy knee or ankle has, you know, not only affected obviously his leg muscle, but I got to think his core muscle has to be something that's, that's taken maybe the biggest hit. And so not being able to be a strong defender because your core isn't there in the way it was. I wonder, does that affect Clay Thompson? And clearly it's taken a minute to get back, but where are we in June? That's always going to be the question. Yeah. And um, Bradley, for the other St. Louis connections, Bradley Beals playing tonight. I don't know if that game's over yet. And uh, was it yesterday or the day before Jason Tatum had dropped a 50 ball? Yeah, uh, had a 50 ball. And that, that one, God, I love that. I love, love that game that he has. But it is, it is hard to watch that Celtics team play sometimes. It's, it's, I've never seen a team in so need of just the most basic point guard play in the world. 
Yeah, it hurts their consistency. And and I think Jason's game is almost the personification of what's going on with the whole team. 51 night, 16 the next, you know, and and I think it might go the overall point guard play to get the consistency they need. Yeah, and that game just wrapped up. They lost by one on a four after a forty point four. I feel like I'm there. <laughs> a 40.4 quarter by the Clippers actually looks like it bumped them off. That's a bummer. Yeah. I have that one. I have that one and the Nuggets one in my DVR. I was going to go back and watch them. That's a bummer. But BR 23, 9, and 6. So I'm actually going to go back and watch uh, what he did that game because that sounds like it was fun. So um, that'll wrap things up on the two man game for this evening. Um, I hope to see uh, Schaefer's. Have a big crowd. Love to fill it up against George Washington Wednesday with a 7 o'clock tip. And Rock and I will be back with you later in the week to catch up on Billiken basketball. We'll review the Illini and the Missouri Tigers as well and uh, whatever else we can come up with along the way. Rock, have a great one. Uh, you and I, bleary-eyed, watching ball all night. And uh, we'll reconvene later in the week. Thanks, buddy. That sounds good, Ram. Sounds good. That's Matt Rocchio. I'm Bob Ramsey. This has been the two-man game on Claves Online. St. Louis Acura was the number one Acura dealer in Missouri in 2021, and we were the 17th in the nation for Acura sales volume. We sell over 100 pre-owned vehicles monthly, and we service all of the makes and models that we sell. We are waiting for verification of our 30th Acura Precision Team Award, the only dealer in the nation with so many awards for customer satisfaction and dealership performance. We have 300 pre-owned vehicles in stock right now. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.